Daddy, my hand. <laughs> Too much going on. The question was, is, I asked you how your faith was. And I, and I said that was wrong. I should have said, how was your love? Yeah? They said, amen. <laughs> are, you, are you growing in your love? You are? I'm going to find out if you're growing in your love. It's a quick check. It's all in the word. As y'all know, today is uh, Pentecost. Shabbat. Feast of weeks. And Pentecost is the Greek of, uh, it really means 50. Pentecost means 50. Right? So. I know everybody, you know, at churches, they got their white on, and it's Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, I mean, white gloves and all, and still no love. So, I want to, I want to do a, I don't want to do a whole, a whole lot on it, um, because we're actually supposed to be experiencing Pentecost. Okay. Hey, sir. Good to see you. All right, she's back. Amen. All right. So, Pentecost. So, I know we always think it's tongues. It's, that's like the only feast that the body of Christ, you know, talk about. Pentecost. All right. Coming on the Honda. Speaking those tongues. All right. Really, if you were Jewish, I mean, or Messianic, really, it's taught, I know it's the coming of the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit, birth of the church, right? That's what you've been taught. But also, really what happened was, this was when Moses went to Mount Sinai to get the law. That's when he went to get the law. So, this is why all the feasts are tied together. So, we left what? 49 days ago, as of yesterday, which is 50 today, what feast were we in? Go back. Passover. Passover. Right. So he was the sacrificial lamb, correct? Yeah. This is really good. This is a lot of time we, like, we, we never think about the commandments that was given. This is when they were going to Mount Sinai. This is what happened. And then they began to count the omer, the counting of the omer. y'all in a good place you get to learn something all right so they would count the armor that was a unit of measure they used for the sheath the, the corn the grain the ripe grain and it's all a symbol of yeshua everything first fruit he is the first fruit this is what this is about as well you know we we just get caught up on it's the gift of the holy spirit true but also the law was given, teaching and instructions for your life, how to live. That part is never celebrated. I mean, that, it really isn't. It's, that part is never celebrated. That's not so much in my teaching today, but I'm just trying to give you a little historical background on what your Pentecost and what it really is about. And it talks about, you know, the giving of the spirit, of the Ruach HaKodesh, right? 
And what was the giving of the, actually, if you read in Exodus, you can see the same symbolism in the Old Testament for Pentecost. When he went to the mount, and he was on there like fire. <laughs> it's all right there. It's true. It's all from the old and the new. The old is the new concealed. The new is the old revealed. But we got to put those two things together. And really, it was, it's all about, you know, I told you you can't have a temple without fire. Got to have fire. Ah, man. It's a beautiful thing. And when you see it, and when he died, and, you know, it's, I'm not going to go all in there. That's a whole, like, series that you need that I want to do. And I don't want to start that right now. But I'm just trying to give you uh, a little picture of it and how he's the first fruit and how they brought their everyone. See, there was an agricultural society. So grain and all that was the value of how they dealt with everything. So they gave the best of their harvest. This is a barley, a barley festival. And they would give that the best and they would gleam it, you know, from the, from the center and from the fields, they would leave the fields on the four corners vacant so that the poor people also could be partaker of the first fruit. See, we discovered we don't give nobody nothing. But it was there on the four corners so they could actually come in and get, and get their offering. So everyone could have an offering. So that means everyone can be saved. This is what it symbolizes. And we don't we miss a lot of these types of things when we, you know, don't understand the culture. Right? So and, and it's just beautiful. Uh, I'm gonna do, you know, we're gonna do some teaching on it. Uh it's just that I can't start it today, but just trying to help you understand where we are. And they gave these wave offerings. The priests would do these wave offerings. You could do the same thing. And just actually show you how it's relevant to today as well. See, we just think, you know, it's a symbol. We just think that there's nothing. Raise your hand, and you won't wave your hand. So the wave offering, what, it's just so beautiful. And we won't even sacrifice that. It's hard to get people to raise their hands. You tell people to raise their hand, they'd leave the church. I need mature people. Y'all want to learn? Well, I want to teach. So you got to be in a place and you got to cultivate an environment that's teachable. Yeah? Well, to do that, you got to deal with the hearts of the people. Yeah? You, you, can, you can talk all you want, and that thing ain't getting into their heart. We got a problem. Yeah? <laughs> all right. Glory to God. Man, I love y'all. Ah, the good shepherd, he lays his life down for the sheep. Man, it'd be tough not to lay your life down and try to administer the word of God. You might see me sometimes, you might not. But if you lay your life down, you're always here. How's the shepherd not where the sheep at? That don't even make natural sense, do it? Then you have wolves coming in. You know what? Let me see something here. Since we talk about that, sometimes we miss who we have. 
before us. Let me, let me do this right quick. Minister, go to, everybody all right? It sure feel good. It's nice and cool in here. Man, I should have all your attention. Go to John. <laughs> Go to John. Let's see here. Go to John 10. Yeah, 11. Now go to John 10, 10. No, John 10, John 10, 9. You know, when I was at my old man, I used to always wonder, why didn't the pastor just say what scripture it is? But the Holy Spirit be talking, no, that's not it. No, go up a little bit more. Somebody else need this. So you got to be yielded. Amen? All right, all right. So go to John 10, 9. John chapter 10 at verse 9. I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved, will live. He will come in and he will go out freely and will find pasture. Verse 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows see, see that's, that's it the progression now he said i'm the door come on in so once you get in look look what's present as soon as you get in what he give, he gives us some great advice right here isn't he because a lot of times we get saved right like, what happened What's going on? I, I didn't have to file bankruptcy until I got saved. And started giving an offering. I didn't have to start that until then. Like, what in the world is happening? <laughs> Did that happen to anybody else? It don't have to just be that. All right, okay. He just came where my God was. I'm going to find out who I'm going to serve on this one. Yeah? Uh, come on here. Read this one. The thief does what? Comes in only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I know, I know. A lot of times people tell me, he took my house. No, he, ain't. he got he got nobody. He's not looking for your house. Where you going to live at? Not your house, but your house. That's where he wants to come and take residence up in. He done took my house. No, you lost your house because you didn't pay your bills. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Y'all get your tithe? Yes. Of all? Yes. From Friday night teaching? Yes. Don't lie. <laughs> of all? And I told you, time is not about money. It's about your management. It's about your commitment. It's your salvation. We make it about money. He had to go where your heart is. Man, I won't talk about that. All right, let's go. 
Leave from that place. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life Mm. and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd risks and lays down his own sheep. Ah. Y'all hear that? Mm, mm. He risks. That's right, the good shepherd. And lays down. See, some, some are just going to try to kill you no matter what. There's a risk when I lay my life down. We're going to take the progression. Come on, keep on. Verse 12. But the hired servant. Watch this. He who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, deserts the flock and runs away. And the wolf chases and snatches them and scatters the flock. Mm. Verse 13. Mm. Here we go with the hireling again. You got a lot of hirelings. So you, 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 you can't serve, because this is what it's about servitude, if you have an agenda. If, if you want accolades, you want money, and you want prestige, you want all the things that you see. That's a hireling. And you need to know if you got a hireling or you got a pastor. Mm. Because the pastor... Lays down his life right before you. Mm. It's a servitude. It's a servitude. Y'all, y'all follow me? Right. Should know. Look at these hirelings. Come on. Now the hireling flees because he merely serves for wages. And is not himself concerned about the sheep. Cares nothing for them. I am the good shepherd. Mm. And I know and recognize my own. Mm -hmm. And my own know and recognize me. Look at that relationship. (laughs) Come on. Verse 15. Even as truly as the father knows me. All right. And I also know the Father. And I am giving my very own life and laying it down on behalf of the sheep. Now, as a pastor, that's supposed to be my example. (laughs) That's supposed to be my example, correct? And you need to see that example. See, a lot of times we just come to church and be, that's not even where you're supposed to be. And he said, I will give you pastors after my own heart. He helps you to identify how to know and observe the pastor. 
not in critical. You know, no, is this my pastor? As he laid his life down. Is he telling me to do something I'm not willing to do? So we, 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 we missed it. See, I can put this right into the father in the home. Soon as danger come, he rolls out. Soon as some hard times and difficult things, he checks out. Family scatters. We're not, we're not doing this. This is serious. <laughs> when you get married, you can, can you shepherd me? Women, can you shepherd me? Because I'm designed to follow. I'm designed to follow. Mm. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. It's not, it's not even a message. This is where you just got to go with the Holy Spirit just tell you where to go. You go. You don't, I don't question him. Mm. My goodness. Oh. You should know that. You, you should really see that. I, I, I don't. So you got a small congregation and you have no job, but you are driving you can fill in the blank. I'm talking about the car note is higher than the facility that you're in. You better know if you got a pastor or a hireling. I'm not saying he can't, but you need to know. It's, you do need to know. What's he in it for? Hmm? You can tell how he's in it for if, you, if he corrects you. Because if he don't correct you, he's, not, he's, a, he's afraid that you won't give. So y'all got to know how to. All right. You been there? Yeah. Yeah. I won't tell you. I need to tell you exactly what you need. I mean, really what I want to teach you about today is growth. I really do. Growth. Growth requires pressure, and that's how you get change. You go into a place and there is no change and you is no growth, something's wrong. Mm. Something wrong. I need to adjust something. I need to, is this my pastor? Is this my teacher? Let me stay in this state. You can't do that. You don't love people if you let them stay in their state. Y'all heard the scripture with Timothy. I love that. And I was telling the minister when they were talking about Peter, when you see the good fight of faith, fight the good fight of faith. Timothy was accused of false teaching. And Paul, who is his mentor, his son, he said, 
Fight the good fight of faith. Go back. You already had it prophesied that this is what you were going to do. See, a lot of times we, we cower down. We care what people think. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Now, we become people pleasers. It's, I'm more important. I'm, I care more of how you view me in my office or whatever. <laughs> you are a candidate to be humble now. That's the thing, man. If you really love somebody, you're going to tell them the truth. You know what? Watch this. Oh, I love the progression. I love the Minister, go to. I love it. I love it. It gives me a whole lot of things. I have no idea what order to put them in until I get up here. So I'm going to do it. All right. So go to. Go to, I love these people, man. I love them. I love it. Amen. We need that. We need to have love, man. This is, I'm talking about the real love. Well, real love is judgment. <laughs> you do not want to hear that. All right. Let's break this down a little bit here. Minister, go to Proverbs. Uh, 20 and 5. Y'all know we're still in relationship. I think I might even teach on Friday on, you know, CERN, uh, quantum physics, but it's still relationship. <laughs> it's all relationship. I'm going to teach on the feast, but it's still relationship. Okay. <laughs> They're like, Pastor, go ahead on. Go to. Um, did I ever tell you? Okay, Proverbs. Yeah, read that. Proverbs 20, verse 5, sir. Amplified. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like water in a deep well, but a man of understanding. Draws it out. Mm. So when you see counsel there, it also can translate as purpose. Okay? Go to six. Go, to, go already to eight. Verse six. Many a man proclaims his own loving kindness and mm -hmm. goodness, mm. but a faithful man who can find. Oh. Oh, stop right there. Who can find a faithful man? Mm. Go ahead. Go ahead, minister. <laughs> Verse 7. The righteous man. Oh, watch this. Walks in his integrity. Blessed, happy, fortunate, enviable mm. are his children after him. No, sad, angry, bitter. It didn't say none of that, did it? Go ahead. A king who sits on the throne of judgment winnows out all evil mm. like chaff with his eyes. What is, what is all going on here? Man, what is going on with this proverb? What is going on? What is Solomon saying? Yeah? Solomon was known and respected for his great wisdom, correct? 
especially teacher, in discerning the truth about people and administering justice. Okay. All right. In the next, on those verses that I, I shared with you right there, he shares valuable skills for properly evaluating people and when required, judging them. The king's expert advice for the determining or determining the sincerity and intent of people's heart was outstanding. So that's what a king, a king had to really operate in wisdom because he was more, more likely the ruling, you know, government. What the king said, that's it. That's the law. Yeah? What the father said, is the law. What the husband said, along with his helper in the home, is the law. I don't make any decisions without my helper. She's my counsel. <laughs> All right. This is how it's supposed to work. Now, I have the authority, but what she does is enforces it. But the authority comes from the man, but she enforces it. Did you hear what your father said? Mm. She's enforced. They're working together now. Now, did you hear what your father said? Everybody, so you still got to tie the two in. We don't do that. You forget. You forget who you are, the manner of man you are. You leave. <laughs> As I said, in Proverbs, counsel refers to advice. Okay? In this proverb, however, it refers to purpose or intent of the human heart. Humans are complex beings with thoughts that run deep like a well rather than a stream. People do not always reveal their true inner thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. All right. For the example, for the example, now check this. For the example, they will sometimes have evil motives and objectives, but they frequently disguise them. Mm -hmm. They may pretend to be someone's friend in order to gain an unfair advantage over them, over him or her. They may often or offer to help others to gain their trust. You got to watch this one. So that they may steal from them or hurt them in some way. Many often hide incriminating information or else not fully reveal information that they could use to manipulate to their benefit. You got to know people. You, you got to know if this is you. <laughs> Y'all know the story with Samuel and Nathan? Who is that man? Do it under Kill him. David said, kill him. Do this in there. Nathan said, wait a minute. Hold up. That man that I just talked about, David, that's you. And then he told him, all you had to do was ask me. If your dwelling was small, he said, I would have doubled it. 
All you had to do was ask me. I would have given you such and such. You mean you would have gave me Uriah's wife? Obviously, it was never his wife because they already referred to her as the wife of Uriah. Mm, teacher, we're just getting in there. All right. Here we go. Yep, and they, it's a big contrary also. Was that Peter's son and this and that from Friday night teaching? You know how you go on the internet and you see all these type of things. The point of it is that he was somebody's son. But we use those type of things to divide us. They just, dead is both had named Simon, I guess, huh? But see, this is how we do. We go in, and you got to be careful. This is why you need Holy Spirit. Thank you for the giving of the Holy Spirit today. Mm, mm, mm. Man wants to escape death. Yeah. The only way you can escape death is to live for Christ. No other way. Other than that, he said you are a thief and a robber. So that's what you see with all this transhumanism and AIs. They're trying to cheat death. So this body going to die, but now I'm going to learn how to download my conscious and place it somewhere so I'll still have all my memories and everything. Okay. Man don't want to die. Man don't want to live under rules. Teaching and instruction. They don't want that. Okay. Here we go. In this particular scenario that I was giving y'all with Proverbs 25 is the category of people who disguise their inner pain with smiles. Mm-hmm. Be careful, a person that smile all the time, laughing all the time. I smile a lot. But see, the point of it is, I dealt with my issues. So mine is legit. See, that's right, it's the joy of the Lord. I'm not hiding nothing. I'm not hiding that I'm broken, and I need to pretend before you. See, there's a difference. All right. In my smile, I know why I'm smiling. All right. As I said, they disguise their inner pain and smile with, with smiles. They have problems they never reveal or trouble or troubling circumstances they keep to themselves. Y'all know you do. Mm-hmm. Still, others harbor, watch this, hurt feelings from an offense that they never talked about. Tell me that ain't the body of Christ. And they serve in that capacity. Yep. And they serve in that capacity. Hold on. Let's walk with me. Hmm. However. Hmm. However, the wise 
Remember the scripture, but the wise does. The wise person are often able to discern. This is going to be kind of the theme today, discern. All right? They are actually able to discern and understand and draw out people's true motives. This is what the scripture is saying. Read it, read it again, number five. Read it again, number five. So they can get, they don't forget. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse five. Mm-hmm. Counsel in the heart of man is like water in a deep well, mm-hmm. but a man and of understanding draws it out. out. Okay. And I said the wise are often able to discern and understand and draw out people's true motives. Mm-mm-mm. And this verse, draw out, corresponds with deep water. The Hebrew literally means to drop a bucket into water and lift it out. Deep wells. Ain't that what you do with a well? Lift it. Okay, y'all follow me? The wise are able to, listen, devolve beyond people's surface action all right they are actually excuse me delve i should have said dwell y'all work with me it's hard up here the wise are able to dwell or delve beyond people's surface actions into the deep thoughts and purposes of their heart Mm. they are able to see through false fronts pretenses and disguises they recognize the tactics of Deceivers. (laughs) Deceivers. <laughs> this bug you, don't it? Look at teacher. <laughs> they also sense when somebody is masking deep-seated pain. And in this case, they are able to help the person recognize and deal with the problems they may be suppressing. Draw it out. That's a wise person. Only a wise person who can discern it can do that. Sometimes you, you be with people and they, for some reason, they just start confessing like they sin. Like, now, that's where you know the spirit is on you. Because they feel they can trust you. Okay. Notice the re-emphasis on deceitfulness purpose. Many people claim to be faithful friends or totally devoted to a cause. But those who are truly loyal are rare. That's what he said. That's what the scripture said. Right? So you got a lot of fake People, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it said. Who could? Watch this. Who could find that type of man? Many people claim to be faithful, friends, or totally devoted to a cause, but those are truly rare, loyal, rare people. For some reason, those are the ones that get abused. Talked about. Mm. The verse refers to goodness, chaste, points to loyalty, steadfastness, or faithfulness. 
Countless people boast of their steadfast love mm. or undying friendship. Yes, we are. We friends. Yes, we are. Well, let me tell you about yourself then. Ain't your friend no more. We arguing. And I keep telling you, when that happens, it's called character development. That's what it's called, and we don't want to be developed. Okay. Countless people boast on their steadfastness of love and deny, listen, and undying friendship. My goodness. They vow that they would never betray you or turn against you. And, any, and many who make such assertions honestly believe that they would be loyal to the point of death. Okay. The Apostle Paul, no, excuse me, the Apostle Peter is a perfect example of this. He boasted that he would never portray Jesus. That in fact, he was willing to die, listen, with him. That's Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Certainly, Peter believed that he would stand by Jesus to the end, but he did not. He utterly failed. In reality, very few people can be trusted and depended upon to be unfailingly true. Only a few people. Any person is capable of turning under the right circumstances. Anybody is. I would never do it. We're going to find out because to be a Christian, some of us, it is written that our life, our actual physical life, will be called upon. All right. We're moving progressively to that era, too. Okay, if, you, if you're watching. Some people, however, are intentionally deceitful. Isn't that something? I got a scripture for that, too. They promise their loyalty to others with evil intent of eventually hurting them. Or they use people to their advantage. How many of y'all know that person? I won't ask, is that you? Because as a believer, that shouldn't be you. When they have gotten everything, <laughs> they can from that individual. They toss them aside and pray for somebody else. And they become prayed to somebody else. There you go. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Children of the righteous parents. Children of righteous parents. Hmm. Let me see here. A lot of times we fail to realize how they benefit the benefits from their parents. You know, our children, a lot of times they fail to um, understand how they benefit from their parents who are living righteous. You know, that, that's a parent that won't let you do what you want to do. And you don't understand that you can benefit from that. But that's also going to go for your spiritual children, too. They don't understand how they can benefit from their parents. 
Example, their love, their devotion, their trustworthiness, hard work, and righteous conduct. They are extremely blessed to come after or follow them. Mm-hmm. Consider how this is true. People walk in integrity, leave a set of footprints in the pathway of their life. The children have a wonderful opportunity to witness how the righteous live right in their home. By walking in their steps, following their example, their children also live righteously and flourish. God say, you didn't pass the test to get in this school, but because you honor your parents, I will touch the heart and I will promote someone to promote you. Because how you honored your parents or you honored your leaders. No, God worked like that. That's why he don't need credit. He needs you to trust him. That's what he needs. My goodness. I'm trying to say God did not create money. Stop letting it rule you. My goodness. All right. <laughs> who money? Who face was on the coin that he had to get out of the sea? Okay. And who was Caesar? Okay. It won't, it won't no saint. It was the established government. Okay, so It's just like we got to put it together. Godly parents open doors for their children. The children benefit personally from their parents' good name and reputation. Right. Told you, you don't need credit. You just need a good name with God. Not, not with man, but with God. Uh, for instance, people know their parents will give their children opportunity. People that know their parents will give, I just told you, they'll give you opportunities just because they know your parents. Because their parents are righteous, they have a righteous character. They will extend to them a certain level of trust on the assumption that their parents' character was instilled in you. Mm-mm. They said, Pastor, move on from here. Move on from here, because that's not where. Y'all got to be kidding. That's the time. <laughs> I didn't get to where I need to go. I'm just still getting the preface. <sighs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to get there. Can I, can I continue for the next few minutes? Okay. All right, here we go. Let's go. I'm going to skip around for a minute, okay? Because uh, I can always come back. But uh, teacher's teaching next, next week, y'all. <laughs> now, that's the plan. Because <laughs> if I stop at a certain place, you can be on. You got to finish that. But it's good to hear from the teacher, though. All right. Um, let me see here. 
I want to do... Okay. Hold on a second, okay? I, I, gotta, I just got to do something. You got to get some people. Some people here, you got to, you the Lord got to get it to you. That's what he keep doing. All right. Here we go. All right. Go to, real quick, go to Matthew 10. Help some people here. Go to Matthew Go to Matthew 10, 32. Matthew chapter 10 at verse 32. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men and confesses me out of a state of oneness with me, mm. I will also acknowledge him before my father who is in heaven and confess that I am abiding in him. Y'all see the relationship? Continue. Verse 33. But whoever denies and disowns me before men, I also will deny and disown him before my father who is in heaven. Mm -hmm. Keep on. Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to part asunder okay. a man from his father, and a daughter from her mother, and a newly married wife from her mother-in-law. Go to 38. Keep on. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> he who loves and takes more pleasure in father or mother more than in me mm. is not worthy of me. And he who loves and takes pleasure, who takes more pleasure in son or daughter more than in me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example in living and, if need be, in dying also, is not worthy of me. It's, it is, right? And enough said. So why is that there? Why is it there? And see, he's, he's trying to tell you, you don't put or make them an idol. Right. Nor the work of your hands. Right. You're not worthy of me. But you, you, get, I, you gave me these children. They're not yours. They're his. Right. He, everything he gives you is for you to make a choice. Everything he puts before you is for you to make a choice. But we don't know how to make the choice. No way ever. I love my wife. She does not come 
before my relationship with God. She's not in between my relationship and God. My relationship with God is one because we are one. So I don't ever have to worry about that. I don't ever have to worry. Not me. Yours might be different, but you can bring it in alignment. He said, if you put your children before me, if you put anything before me, you are not worthy, he said, of me. Your choice should always be me. It should never be any other exception. See, when you come here, you're making a choice still for him. When you stay home deliberately or put anything other before servitude, that's your idol. That's what I want to do today. I don't feel like coming. I don't see you. There you go. Surely the Lord will understand my heart. Absolutely. He knows your heart. Absolutely. He knows your heart. He told you that it was wicked. Deceitful. <laughs> who could know it? Just like who could know a real man of God. This is really good. This is important. This is just like self-explanatory. No, let's read that one more time. Matter of fact, start here. Start at. 34. Start there. Just start right there at 34, 38. Go ahead. Verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Hmm. For I have come to part asunder a man from his father and a daughter from her mother and a newly married wife from her mother-in-law. Mm, mm. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. He who loves and takes more pleasure in father or mother more than in me is not worthy of me. And he who loves and takes more pleasure in son or daughter more than in mm. me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example mm. in living and if need be in dying also is not worthy of me. So have you settled? Have you settled that he's worthy? That he's worth even dying for. And we say that. How are we going to really do that, y'all? How are we going to really do that? We're, we're not even faithful. You're not, <laughs> the unfaithful does not get in. The one that endures. The one that does not quit. This is why he has scriptures. When you see your brother 
in a fall. You, that is spiritual, go over and lift him up. Help him. Oh, man. He really don't want none of us to go to hell. Okay. Teacher. Did it help anybody that? Right, let's see if this one helped you. Okay. Let's see if this one will help you. Go to. Mm-hmm. Go to Second Peter. Go to Second Peter, uh, one. And this is kind of where I wanted to go, but you know you have to do what you got to do. I want to. Second Peter 1, 4 through 7. I want to ask you about your faith. Your faith is supposed to grow. The, the scripture is going to tell you that you are to add to it. But you don't know how to add to it. All right? Teacher, I just, whew. I take my time. It just feels so good in here today. <laughs> you ready? Start at 4. And go to seven. Second Peter chapter one and verse four. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises, so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, rottenness, and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed and become sharers, partakers of the divine nature. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue, mm. excellence, mm. resolution, Christian energy, and in exercising virtue, develop knowledge, intelligence mm. and in exercising knowledge develop self-control mm. develop steadfast patience endurance and in exercising steadfastness develop godliness piety and in exercising godliness develop brotherly affection and in exercising brotherly affection Develop Christian love. Man. Hmm. And the King James, it will tell you, you have to add this to your faith. Okay? Man, let's look at this. Okay? Uh, let me find my sheets here. In verse 4, it says that Messiah is the divine nature of the new man. Exceeding great promises or precious promises have been given to us, right? And Christians will take this about the promises and make it material things. Okay? 
right? That's, that's what happens. I'm trying to make us understand something here. The promises of those have to do with his divine nature of God. The divine nature that is planted within the heart of a person who believes in Jesus. When a person believes in Jesus, God sends his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to indwell. That's what we're talking about Pentecost here, right? Indwell in the heart of the believer. Now, that's a precious promise. God places within the heart of the believer his own divine nature and makes him a new creature, a new man altogether. The believer is actually born again spiritually. He is actually partakes of the divine nature of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And note this right here, what happens? This is the great promises. That the believer escapes the corruption that is of this world. So, so we, we talk about the promises of God. You need to know the promises of God. But see, our minds are still on the earth. It's still material things. He's telling you that you escape the corruption of this life. How precious is that? You can't take your new BMW with you. See, you better know the promises of God. That the believer escapes the corruption of this world. He lives eternally for the divine nature of God can never die. How precious is that? See, it's what you place value to. You place value on things and not his promises. Man, okay. He lives eternally for the divine nature of God can never die. When it's time for the believer to depart from this life, quicker than a blinking of an eye, his spirit is transferred into heaven, into the very presence of God himself. Why? Because of the divine presence of God. The believer is a new creature, a new man, a new person, whom the very spirit of God dwells. And the spirit of God cannot die. Therefore, the person escapes the corruption of this world. See, we we see like we ain't moved. We're not moved. We're not moved. We're not moved that you escape the corruption of this life. You know why? Because you haven't been adding these things to your faith. All these things that we were talking about here. We haven't added. We haven't added these things to our faith. Woo! Okay. Teachers here. You know when I do that, it's on. His own. Okay, hold on. <laughs> the believer's duty. Here you go, y'all. I can't. Oh, my God. Okay. 
the believer's duty that is charged, listen, to add these things to his life. The word add means in addition to God's great salvation, right alongside what God has done. Add these things and give all diligence to adding them. Hasten, jump, act now to add them. Don't wait. Be energetic and earnest. Stringently work to add these things to your faith. He said you are to add virtue to your faith. Moral excellence and goodness of character. Moral strength and moral courage. It means manliness. Being able, listen, being able or being an excellent person in life. A great man or great woman in life. Living just like one should in the most excellent way. It means always choosing excellent way. The excellent way. Always choosing the excellent way. That didn't mean it's right. It's not about you being right. It's about being excellent. No, I'm right. I feel this way. I have a right to feel I'm right and you're wrong. No, it's excellent. Choose the excellent way. Okay. He said add virtue to that. See, we're not adding to our faith. My goodness. We're not adding to our faith. He said you ought to add to your faith knowledge. I told you the more knowledge you have, the less hold that Satan has on you. Add knowledge, practical intelligence, practical knowledge, practical insight. It means what to do in every situation. It means to knowing what to do in every situation. Y'all hearing? Well, hold on. Y'all, I don't know what to do. Because you have no knowledge in this area. Hold on. Hold on. It means knowing what to do in every situation and doing it. And doing it. It's practical. Day-to-day knowledge that sees situation and knows how to handle them. It is seeing the trial and temptation of life and knowing what to do with them. And doing it. See, it's one thing to know something, but it's another to do it. I know I should praise God, but I don't. I know I should give, but I don't. I know I should love, but I don't. Okay, you won't do this. It said add temperance. To master and control the body or the flesh with all of its lust. That means you're going to have to watch this. Mm-hmm. It means self-control, the master of desire, appetites. Uh-oh, y'all ain't it. It means self-control. Y'all got to understand this. The master of desire, appetite, and passion, especially sensual urges and craving. Mm-hmm. Stay off the internet. It means to be strong and controlled and restrained. If some of you would just... Shows great strength. It takes two people to argue. Just like it takes two people to agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. It means to be strong and controlled and restrained. 
It means to stand against the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Uh oh, and the pride of life. The believer is to know that self-control is of God. It's a fruit of the spirit. A lot of us, if we just had that, you wouldn't have the issues that you have. You wouldn't have to actually think the way you're thinking. You wouldn't have to make the choices that you've been making if you would just and don't respond. Why do we always respond in our flesh and not in our spirit? And man, there's a spirit. Do you realize the peace that you would have in your house? And this is for my young and old people. The believer is to control his sexual desires. If you're not married. The believer is to stringently exercise self-control. Stringently. Because you want to, you want to, you want to say something. And then your heart is worthy of saying something. But have self-control. It'll change the course of where you were going. Add patience. I'm telling you, we have not been adding to our faith. We haven't been adding to our faith. I believe, but you ain't been adding nothing. Add patience. Endurance. Fortitude. Steadfastness. Consistency. Perseverance. I love that word. The word is not passive. It's active. It is not the spirit that just sits back and puts up with the rituals or trials, should I say, of life. Taking whatever comes. Some people have that attitude. Rather, it is the spirit that stands up and faces life trials that actively go, that, listen, that actively goes about conquering and overcoming them. You're not supposed to just sit back. That trial is there to perfect you. That towel is there to show you where you need strength. That trial. You can't do none of this with, your, with, with the attitude, the wrong attitude. You can't do that with the wrong attitude. You, you can't grow. Your faith don't grow. Stagnant. This is why the trial is there. The trial is there to perfect you. It's to point you in and show you your weak points. And it's there, he said, even in this trial, I've got a way for you out of it. But you don't want to go out of it because you don't want to go through the trial. It's there designed to elevate you, to grow you. And we're not growing in our faith because we're not adding these things to it. That's why you don't trust God. Hey, teacher. You're going to come up behind me like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. Guess I'm done. I mean, I guess I'm done. Oh, let me yes, move. Yes, you're, you're done. You're never done, but in this moment in time, you are. 
I got caught up, y'all. Glory to God. Thank you, Pastor. It's a fight. It's a fight to pull this man away from the sheep. It's a fight. And I'm not mean, a hireling. <laughs> I'm not a hireling. Think we know that already. Sheep be like, let me live. That is funny. Sheep, you've been saying it, right? Let me live. <laughs> That's what kids want to do. Let me live my life. Like, no, we can't let you live your life. You've been born again, and your life has been bought with a price. You must live through Jesus Christ. I tell you. Thank you, Pastor. Um, wow. I just want to say, in reference to growth, because this is what it's about, is what I'm realizing, uh, because Pastor did mention that we're supposed to be growing, and it's because and the reason that we're not growing because we're not adding on to our faith. Amen, Pastor, right? Um, I'm realizing that's impossible to add on to your faith when you have forgotten, you have forgotten that you're born again. Because we are so indoctrinated in the world and our own lives and things that we do and events and people and outings and events and holidays. See, we're in doctrine in the world. And the word of God says, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of mine. But we're not really taking that as a reality for our new birth. We somehow been living the way that we want to live, right? Yeah. Doing your own thing. Uh -huh. Still calling on God. But with no resolution. So we must go back. So the, the question is, or I should pose to you is this, is that you Reevaluate your new birth. You have to go back because you have forgotten that you've been born of God. Your lifestyle and how you conduct yourself is not a believer. It's not. It's not the the laws and the statute of the kingdom of God. We're still choosing to live how we want to live because of how we think. And we compromise. See, the enemy, he'll keep giving you these worldly cliches, and you'll find, you'll try to find loopholes, even in the Word of God, to, to remain where you're at. Because he'll give you excuses as to why you're still the way that you are. And God is still working on me. That's a cliche. It's a finished work. He said, I have given you everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. But it's trapped in your faith. But you have forgotten your new birth. So you can't 
assess your faith. So you can't, you can't add on to your faith because we have to return back to Romans 10, 9. I am a, a sinner. And I confess that. See, David, see, it has all the other scriptures before you. I will forever keep my sins before me. See, but now I receive you as my Lord and Savior of my life. Which means my life is no longer my life. You are Lord over my thoughts. Now I am a slave. My thoughts, my body, my soul is a slave to my Lord. See, it's the reverse. My, my mind, my, my body, my thoughts is a slave to the world. And my feelings. And the events and things that I want to do and the devices and, and the things that I desire and crave. My, no, I am a slave to my cravings. Whether my cravings is money, work, sex, Drugs, lazy. See, there is a craving. You have a craving for something. And he said, with all effort, he says, right? So what does that mean? It means that this should be the only soul thing that you do the hardest. This is what you do the hardest. Is that I maintain a state of being of righteousness. And right living because this is excellent. This is morally excellent. This keep me reminded of when I was first born again. See, I'm not pulled by my cravings because I'm pulled by, oh, I'm pulled by my new birth. I'm not pulled by the holidays and places and, and things in the white part and the black party. And I got to be here. And there's a social event. I have to be. But though there is a gathering. There is service. And that's my, that's in my new birth. But we say we have a life. So I can't. So you saying that God don't want me to have fun? See, when you're, when you're born again, I don't have a craving for the surface things. They're superficial. See, I'm on a mission. See, and I'm not a civilian. And I, hey, and I don't take on a civilian life. I, I'm on a mission. How can I be a soldier in, in the kingdom of God if I'm caught up in civilian affairs? I'm unfit to serve in the kingdom of God. But we have to reevaluate. We have to re recalculate our life. Recalculate your life. Take a complete assessment of your life. 
And then it should take you back to Romans 10, 9. I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you're the son of God. You came in the flesh and you dwelt among men. And I believe you died on the third day and you was resurrected by the power of God. And through that, by me believing on you as my Lord and Savior, I know you've already washed away my sins. Which means that I have the free will to choose. And this new birth life is not a struggle because it's a way of life. It's difficult for me to, to lie now because that's not my new nature. It's difficult for me not to love because that's not my new nature. It's foreign to me not to seek out and run after my brethren when I see them in the fall. That's not natural for me. I will chase hard after you, man of God. Oh, you're not ready. You're not ready for that kind of love. See, and the thing about now in here, Pastor, is that it says that if you are a friend, you will lay your life down for a friend. And he's talking about a kingdom. He said, you're no longer a slave, but you're now a friend. We're all friends. So what it means is that when you come over my house, I'm supposed to get out of my bed. See, you... Okay, we're, 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 okay, the Westerns, we're not used to that. You're going to find, you're going to put them on the couch, you're going to whatever, pull out of bed. See, no, I'm going to get out of my bed, put you in my bed. See, we know nothing about hospitality in the kingdom. See, when you come to my house, you're supposed to be treated like a king and a queen in my house. Because you're my friend. I'm supposed to give you my food and not eat. Oh, see, y'all not ready for that. You, you're not ready for that. You know why? Because you must first go back to Romans 10.9. It's not my nature to not be selfish. It's my nature to be Selfish and not selfless. My new nature causes me to give. I don't struggle with my, you don't struggle with your personality. It's natural for you to act and do what you do. It's not a struggle. But we're talking about the characteristics of Christ now. But what has to happen, what does happen, I was telling the minister this, uh, I believe, yesterday. I said, I don't understand this challenge that the Christian is having. That's because, Ambassador, it's nothing but the Holy Spirit that what you were teaching today is that I had this discussion with some of the ministers yesterday and also this morning. Is that when I said, when I got saved, I was saved. And I didn't struggle with my new life. I obeyed. And through my obedience, the characteristics of Christ developed. 
And, and as I understand why he said, put the words on your front lips, tie it around your wrist, put it on the, on, 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 on the post of the door to be reminded. So what does that mean? It doesn't mean like you see some people, they got signs all in the yard and all that and a t-shirt. No, it means here in my heart and my mind. And so I said, he is always my focus in any conversation. He's woven in it. So I can't help but to be morally excellent. He has to be your focus. And he has to be what you run hard after. This now, I can build upon my faith and grow. We're not growing because we forgot our first love that I was born again. I was born anew. Having a new way of thinking that my past. See, guess what? In the kingdom of God, when you're born again, there's no excuse. Because he said, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. You just have to take possession of it. And you take possession of it by and through your will. Amen? Amen. Growing God. Hallelujah. This is time also now for the ministers come up front um, for prayer. This is a time of continual worshiping and your holy seed, your tithe and offering, your stewardship, your relationship with Christ. It's another part of how you interact with the kingdom of God. It's through your sacred seed that you have set apart for God's purpose, for his will.